right. Hey, listen, it's good to have you guys with us uh, this morning. Very good to have you guys in the room. Good to see everybody here online. I know we were experiencing some audio problems with our live stream, so hopefully that's getting fixed or in the process of getting fixed. For those of you on the live stream who have hung with us, they're working on it right now. I can see them feverishly back there in the booth. Um, Hey, so we are in the midst of a series called Keeping It Simple. Keep It Simple. And so we've been just talking about the reality that it it seems like life is just kind of getting more and more complicated. Have you noticed that? That it, it seems like it's just getting more stressful, it's getting more difficult, it's getting more challenging. People have like more and more anxiety and they're they're dealing with more stress. And so our premise for this whole series has been what if One of the main reasons, if not like the the reason, for us being stressed out is that God has given us really clear direction about a lot of things in life, and we've just chosen as individuals and as a society, we've just decided to go our own way. We've just decided to kind of take life on our own and kind of do our own thing. And so what if God is just kind of collectively saying, you know, I mean, in in a loving way, in a caring way, that he's just collectively kind of saying, let me know how that works out for you. Because when we turn our back on God's wisdom and God's grace and God's truth, it doesn't work out for us. And so what we've been doing in this series is we've been, we've been looking at different ways, different kind of big ticket items uh, where we need God's, God's wisdom for our life, where things are getting more and more complicated. We started a month ago, started talking about the four lies that I think Satan has been trying to get us to believe uh, ever since the beginning, going all the way back to the garden. Uh, then a couple of weeks ago, we talked about trying to simplify singleness. Uh, last week, we talked about marriage, uh, trying to find God's truth for marriage some ways that we can simplify that important relationship. Today, I'm going to talk about relationships in general. Next week, we're going to talk about simplifying our relationship with money. Uh, Then we're going to talk about some things about what it means for us to be connected to a church as we kind of move forward and get ready for Easter. So that's where we've been. That's where we're going. Our theme passage has been Romans chapter 1. I'm going to read verses 20 to 25. Just encourage you, if you, by the way, uh, this, uh, this would be a good message to open up your app and uh, get go, go into the fill-in-the-blank notes, which are in the app, right in the, the Sunday morning section. You'll see the title for the message, Simplifying Relationships, and all the verses are there, all the main points, some quotes. You can fill in the blanks and follow along. So verse 20, for since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, His eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood what has been made so that people are without excuse. I said this a couple weeks ago, but the Bible basically assumes that, like, like you, you know that there's a God, right? And, and I, I'm not trying to be disrespectful to anyone who struggles with belief and is an atheist. I just want you to know that the Bible kind of, there's not a chapter in the Bible that's like, here's the proof of the existence of God. Like in the Old Testament, Jesus, Paul, it's kind of like, look around, there's there's clearly a God, right? So that's the, that's the mindset of the biblical writers. And so for it says, for although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him, but their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools. So what Paul's saying is like, listen, here's what we do. We know there's a God. He's got wisdom for us. Rather than following the wisdom that God has for us, we're like, no, God, we got this. We're going to figure this out on our own. Claiming to be wise, we become fools. Our foolish hearts are darkened. God says lovingly, 
how's that working out for you? Generally not so good. And then it says, and, and it goes in Romans 1 and 2, it kind of goes into uh, all of life. It shows how like getting off of God, like being centered on God and, and moving away from that, like messes up all of life. And he says in verse 24, you know, including our sexual life, verse 24, therefore God gave them over in the sinful desires of their hearts to sexual impurity for the degrading of their bodies with one another. They exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served creative things rather than the Creator, who's forever praised. Amen. And so what happens, you know, we've been talking about the lies, we've been trying to identify the lies so we can build on God's truth. But what ends up happening is if we turn away from God, we're going to worship something else. Like, you're made to worship. You can't decide, like, okay, I'm just not going to worship anything. You're going to worship, but you're going to end up, if you're not worshiping God, you're going to worship something created. You're going to worship your job. You're going to worship a person. You're going to worship a rock. You're going to worship, you know, something that can't sustain your life, that isn't strong enough to sustain your life. And so, uh, and so, so what we're going to talk about today is trying to get a sense of God's truth when it comes to relationships. Because I don't know if you've noticed, I'm sure you have, that it just seems like we're having a harder time than ever getting along with each other. I've just noticed it just, it seems like people, people are really just stressed out, taking it out on each other. I think there's a number of reasons for it. Um, I'm not a sociologist, but I think part of it is just 2020, this year that we're coming out of, just has us all like really jacked up. You know, I mean, when you take all the things, we've been talking about it, but when you take the pandemic and you take the fear and you take the struggle and you take the, the racial reckoning and you take the political stuff, you know, all of the stuff, you add it all up, people are, you know, they're going at like 180 RPMs. I think something else that, that's an issue that I've just seen, like, I think increasing in our society is that we're, we're kind of unpersoning one another, or depersoning one another. I don't know. Is that a word? I don't know. I'm going to use it as a word. Depersoning. What I mean is this, right? Like all of us have had the experience of trying to merge onto Route 4 during rush hour, right? That's a lot of fun. One of the really fun parts of, of the funnest, you know, living around here, especially like you get the intersection of like Route 3 and Route 4 and Route 17. We got some intersections that we like navigate on a regular basis. And have you ever noticed, like, well, I'm not talking about a time when everybody's flying by, but like when, when traffic's kind of coming to a stop, right? And you just want to get in there, but nobody's letting you in, right? Nobody's letting you in. And, and you know, and, and you just wonder, like, why don't you let me in? Because there's, like, the traffic's not moving. You're going to get home half a second later if you let me in, but people won't do it. But the, what you got to do when you're sitting there trying to merge, what you do is you sit there and you try to make eye contact. Have you noticed that? Like, you're trying to make eye contact with the cars as they're, like, slowly going by, because if they make eye contact with you and they acknowledge that you're a person, they're going to have to let you in. Have you noticed that? Like they do. But if they don't, like what happens is they don't want to look at you. So like they're driving and they're like this. They're like looking down and you're like, can I go in? And it's like, you know, like when your dog is in trouble and your dog won't look at you. They're, that's how it is. Because once they look at you, they acknowledge that you're a person. It's going to be that little dance. You're like, hi, can, can I go? Can I go? They're like, okay, sure, go. Thank you. And then you go. But it, it all, it's all about like the eye contact, them acknowledging you as a person. I think there's a lot of ways in our society right now where we are not acknowledging people as people. And it's making things more toxic. It's making things more difficult. You know, I, I don't need to go into social media and a lot of the, 
the wars and things that go on in social media because you don't realize there's a person behind that screen and, and the person that you're flaming on social media is a person with thoughts and feelings and whatever. And then I think, though, there's a thing now where we carry that in to our relationships with one another. Like, it goes away now from the computer and maybe it's how we start connecting to each other. I think it also shows up in the divisions that we have. The ways that we talk about each other, it, there's an element of, like, it's depersoning people. And so you might say, if you're on one side of the political aisle, you might say, oh, they're just a bunch of woke commies, you know, and that's, you just dismiss them as that. If you're on the other side, you say, well, they're just deplorable and they need to be canceled. And, and there's so many ways that we just talk about one another like we're not people. And, and there's, you know, there's, there, and that's why where, where there's like, if there's racial comments that are made or things or anything that gets us from seeing people as our neighbor, seeing someone as our neighbor that we need to love as ourselves, if we don't look at them, if we don't see them as a person, if we name them as something else, then we're kind of off the hook. We don't have to love them. And so what I think what we need to do as the people of God, as we're living in this moment where everybody's talking about this, everybody's like, why is our society so toxic? Why is our culture so toxic? Why are we so bad to each other? What we need to do as the people of God is we need to rise up and we need to say, we're going to treat people differently. But we are not going to go down, like just follow the current of where our culture is doing. We're going to treat people differently. The Bible has a lot to say. God has a lot to say about how we should treat people. I want to focus on one word today, and that word is honor. Because the word honor, that we honor one another, what that means, that's an important word. It's in the Old Testament. It's in the New Testament. I kind of feel like it's Sesame Street today. The word for the day is honor, okay? I don't know what the number is or, you know, but the word for the day is honor. So, so first question is, what is honor? Okay, what is honor? I, I just, what I did, because it's in the Old Testament, it's in the New Testament, I just wanted to get an example in the Old Testament and the New Testament. Malachi 1.6 says, A son honors his father, and a slave his master. If I am a father, where is the honor due me? If I am a master, where is the respect due me, says the Lord Almighty. So God is like, listen, honor is like something that happens in human relationships. Why aren't you honoring me? Romans 12.10 says, Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves, right? So we're to honor. Now, now the word in the Old Testament is, uh, the, you know, the Bible in the Old Testament it was written in Hebrew, in the New Testament it was written in Greek. And so the Hebrew word that's translated honor is kaveh. The Greek is the word time. And what it literally means is to value something, to ascribe worth, to treat as, as worthy, as weighty, to treat, to, the, the essence of honor is that, boy, we acknowledge you. Or you can, you know, you can honor um, a position. You can honor uh, an item. You know, we acknowledge that this person or this item or this position is weighty. We acknowledge that it matters, and so I'm going to treat you accordingly. Dishonor is the opposite of that. We say, you don't matter. You're not important. We're going to take you lightly. We're going to remove weight from you. Now, the, you know, the word, like that thing about being weighty, that's an important thing to understand. Like if you're driving on a country road and there's a giant boulder in the middle of the road, you would honor it by driving around it or doing a K-turn and going in the other direction because you can't get around it. You honor the fact that it's weighty. And, but if you don't honor it, you just plow into it, and then you're just kind of like a spot on the highway, you know? So, so, so we honor something by saying it's weighty, by saying it matters, and honoring one another begins with God's claim on them. 
that we start with God's claim on them. Let me, let me cut to the chase. Let me uncomplicate this. What I'm suggesting this morning, that we want to keep it simple, we want to uncomplicate relationships, we treat everyone with honor. That we treat everyone that we come across with honor. That we honor one another above ourselves. And it starts with us dialing in and believing and saying, you know what, I am going to believe about you what God believes about you. I'm going to believe the truth of God's Word when it comes to you, that you have unsurpassable worth, that you are made in the image of God, that you are redeemed by the blood of Jesus. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to treat you according to my relationship with Jesus. I'm not going to treat you sometimes maybe according to my relationship with you because I'm going to say what's true, what God says about you is true, and that's how I'm going to treat you. And so we need to treat everybody like that. Everybody that we come in contact with. And, and you know, it, it's such a powerful thought. It says this in Ephesians 5.21. We talked about this verse last week when it came to marriage. Let me expand it a little bit. It says, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Now, the word submit and the word of honor, they're kind of cousins. They're kind of close in the Greek. Submit to one another. Why do we do it? We do it out of reverence for Christ, out of because of our relationship with Jesus, because of what Jesus did for that person, what Jesus says about that person. The way I'm going to treat you is based on my view of him, not necessarily my view of you. And so Jesus told this parable. Trying to explain, you know, just really kind of drilling down into this. Like, what does it mean for us to live this way? He told this parable about the end of the age when he comes and he sets up his kingdom. And he says it's going to be like, you know, there are the sheep and the goats. And so the king, you know, Jesus, is going to separate the sheep who are going to come into God's kingdom from the goats who aren't going to go into God's kingdom. And it says this in Matthew 25, verse 34. It says, Then the king will say to those on his right, Come you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in, I was in prison and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to eat? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? The king will reply, truly, truly, I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Now, you know someone who we all know who's very famous, and the reason she's famous is because she took these words of Jesus literally. Someone that we're all aware of is Mother Teresa. Mother Teresa, the reason that she lived her life in such a radical way, caring for the poorest of the poor in Calcutta, in a way that made our entire nation, you know, world say, wow, that's amazing, is that she simply took Jesus' words, here is the truth. And she said that every poor person that she ministered to in the streets of Calcutta, she saw that it was Jesus. And in her mind, she was picturing that she was, she was ministering to Jesus. What would that do? How would that change the way we relate to one another? Like, think, I'm seriously, like, let's not talk about like pie in the sky, like, isn't that cute, isn't that nice? But seriously, if every person that you came in contact with, you developed the spiritual discipline where you pictured that they were Jesus and you treated them as if they were Jesus. Boy, that would really change some things, wouldn't it? That would, I believe that would make the church live in such a way that the world would stand up and take notice if we just actually started treating one another and even treating the world with honor 
instead of the hatred and the animosity and the depersoning. You know, the church, more than often, we, we sometimes get, go even, we even do worse than the culture around us. You know, there are times, listen, there are times, I'm going off notes here, but there are times when I see, it's like because, you know, people think like, well, God is on our side, so that gives us the reason to be even more of a jerk, to be even more hostile, to be even meaner. And that's not at all the way of Jesus, right? We're called to, to honor people, that we're to honor one another. So why don't we honor? Why don't we do it? Why is it so hard for us? There's an interesting account in the life of Jesus that has to do with honor, and I think that can kind of help us understand why it's so difficult for us to honor. Mark 6, verse 1 to 5, Jesus comes to his hometown. So he's been doing his thing. He's been ministering. Miracles are happening. Fame is spreading. Stuff's happening. He comes to his hometown, and it says Jesus left there, went to his hometown, accompanied by his disciples. So it's like homecoming week for Jesus. And so when the Sabbath came, he began to teach in the synagogue, and and many who heard him were amazed. They, they were like, where did this man get these things? They're like, man, his teaching's awesome. You know, we're hearing about these miracles. We're hearing about these things. They asked, what's this wisdom that's been given him? What are these remarkable miracles he's performing? But then it shifted. And they're like, wait a minute, this is the carpenter. We know this guy. He was on my soccer team. You know, he was in homeroom with me. He was, you know, I, like, I know this guy. This is, this is Mary's son. Now, you know, actually, it's interesting. They don't say Joseph's son. They say Mary's son, which, which is one of the reasons makes me wonder if, if people, you know, the, the events of Jesus' birth kind of stayed with him and brought shame. But that's a, that's a Christmas Eve message. But, uh, but anyway, they say, you know, where's Mary's son? And the bro- this is the brother of James and Joseph and Judas and Simon. Aren't his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor except in his own town among his relatives and in his own home. He could not do any miracles there except lay his hands on a few sick people and heal them. So for Jesus, that's a bad day. Laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. But it wasn't what he normally was doing because the people didn't honor him. And so what does this tell us about situations? Since honoring people is so important, we need to be aware of the situations in our lives where it might be hard, extra hard for us to honor people, where we've got to concentrate a little bit harder. We've got to press in. We've got to pay attention. And so one is that familiarity can cause us to dishonor people. We don't honor because of familiarity, right? That's what was going on in Jesus' hometown. They're like, we know this guy. We're, you know, we remember this kid. So they were familiar with him. Now, what is the root of the word familiarity? Family, right? So I, I think that it is very easy for us to dishonor those, especially those who are in our immediate family, that there's a lot of dishonor that happens in homes. Now, husbands, let me talk to husbands for a minute. You're like, you just talked to us last week. Why are you talking to us again? But, but let me, you know, remember when, when you asked your wife to marry you, right? You proposed to your wife. What you said to your wife is, hey, why don't you commit yourself to me for the rest of our life, and we're going to build a life together, and maybe we're going to even make some, ba- some people. We're going to make some new people together. And your wife said yes. I mean, no, seriously, think about that. Your wife said yes. Like, you, like she made that commitment to you. She said, she said yes. Has anyone ever treated you with as much respect and as much belief and as much honor as when your wife accepted your proposal? 
Right? I mean, think about what she was saying. And so be aware of that. Listen, you might be 10, 20, 30 years in. Be aware of that. Honor, you know, honor your wife. Honor your children. Especially, I've got adult children now, and so we're trying to figure out how to navigate adult children. And, you know, it's complicated. But my wife and I, we were just talking this past week. We're like, we got to honor. we got to make sure that we're honoring our children in the way that we talk about them, the way that we talk with them. It says in Ephesians 6, 1 to 3, children, obey your parents in the Lord. Lord, for this is right, honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may go well with you and you may enjoy long life on the earth. And so listen, it says, honor your mother and father so that you may enjoy life and live a long time. And so I don't think it's a stretch if we're saying like, hey, well, what if this is maybe talking about other Famili- you know, uh, family relationships, essential relationships, maybe one of the reasons that you're miserable, maybe one of the reasons that you're unhappy, that you're depressed, that you have an ulcer, maybe you're not enjoying your life. Part of it is because you're not honoring the people who are in your life because the connection is made here like a clear line right? That if you honor the people in your life, if you honor your parents and you honor your spouse and you honor your children, you're going to enjoy life more. Now, so this whole year, I have been buying groceries for my parents ever since the pandemic started. They're in their late 80s. And, uh, and so I've been, I've been doing that. And I got to tell you, listen, I was not the easiest kid, okay? I was not. I, I was not I gave my parents a little bit of a hard time when I was a teenager. Then I was better for a little bit. Then I went back to giving them a hard time when I was in my early 20s. I have made my mother cry on more than one occasion. There's like, guys, you know, like, look, we're, we're running around. We're being jerks. We're doing stuff. And all of a sudden you realize like, oh, man, I, you know, I came home drunk last night or whatever happened. And so now my mom's crying. Like, you feel terrible, right? I mean, that's just kind of like, oh, no, what have I done? So, so it hasn't, you know, I haven't been the easiest son. But, you know, things have changed. Things have been different. The last, you know, for the, the most of like adult life, things have been much better and Jesus is in my life and we have a very good relationship. It's wonderful. And so anyway, so when the pandemic hit, you know, they're in their late 80s. And so I'm just like, all right, we're going to, I'm going to go to Stop and Shop. They were trying to like order food, but you remember how it was. They couldn't like, it was, they couldn't really depend on it, having it delivered. It's like, I'll just, I'll get you the food. I'll go. And uh, so I've been doing that. And so what's really funny is my mother, uh, she's probably watching this right now. So hello, mom. Uh, she, she, ever since we've gone to like live streams and everything else, I don't know if there's anyone who's a more of like a faithful attender of this church. Like she's on every live stream, every, you know, six o'clock in the morning when we're doing 21 days of prayer, midweek devotional. So what always happens, we've been doing the stance all year long where I say, Hey mom, I'm going to go Thursday night. I'm going to shop, send me your list. And she's like, no, it's too much. You have this going on at church and this going on and this. It's like, she knows my schedule better than I know my schedule. And so I, so I had to have, this conversation and I've said like, listen, mom, here's the deal. The hardest part of my week is, is me convincing you to give me the list. That's the hardest part of my week. So if you want to make my life easier, just send me the list. All right. And so she'll say, I've had times where I'm shopping for her and I'm like, this is a light list. And I'll call her and I'll say, mom, why this is like half the stuff you normally get. And she's like, but you're so busy. And I'm like, I'm just going to start throwing random stuff in the basket. So you better send me more stuff. But I say all that. We've all done stuff like that for a pair. You know, we've all done that. But here's what I've seen. You know what? I have really enjoyed being able to do that for my parents. 
Like, it has blessed me so much. And I, you know, listen, I, they're, they're in their late 80s. And I just know that there's going to come a time when I'm going to say years from now, I'm going to say, I am so thankful that I had the, op- that the pandemic gave me the opportunity to demonstrate to my parents in such a tangible way how much I love them and how much I appreciate them, to honor them in that way. And it has brought enjoyment to my life. It, is, it has been a, and it just kind of like it shows that verse, that when we honor the people in our family, that it, it, it has this positive effect on our life. And so, and so you know, being overly familiar, that cause, that's a, something we need to look out for. Uh, offense causes dishonor. Offense causes dishonor. So who are you offended by? Right? Odds are that if there's somebody that you're offended by, you're struggling to treat them with honor. That, that offense has caused you to forget that they're weighty, that they're made in the image of God with unsubs, unsurpassable worth. So you know, you're offended by people in your family. That's one of the reasons that it's so hard with families, because in your immediate family, there's so many opportunities to take offense. Uh, you know, offended by people that you work with, offended by your boss, Offended by the government. Let me say this. We've got a lot of political opinions. There's a lot going on politically on all sides. You know what? You have every right to disagree politically. You have every right to say your disagreements. You have every right to protest. But as long as you do it peacefully and you do it respecting, you do it with honor. You know, Bible has a lot to say. Like we talk about like respect the office. Like you could disagree with the person, but, but we need to like honor the position. And the Bible has a lot to say about that. And so we have to be careful when we take offense. It could cause us, it could make it harder for us to honor someone. So, so how do we do it? And let me just say this, kind of got three things to say relatively quick. How do we honor? Number one, we honor with our praise. We honor with our praise. People of honor or people of praise. Honor has a language that's attached to it. So let's watch the way that we talk about people. I love that Paul modeled this for us. Like when you read Paul's letters, he always starts, does his shout outs, right? He's like, oh, you know, let's remember Epaphroditus and Priscilla and Achilla and Timothy. And, and, you know, he'll say things like honor people like this. And so he shows us that example. We need to honor one another, right? We need to not just feel like nice, honorable things in our hearts. We need to express it. There's a language for honor and it's the language of praise. And I was just, as I was putting this message together, I was thinking, you know, I don't do it enough. I want to honor the church staff that I work with. Listen, I'll tell you what, your pastors and the people who work here at the church, they are people of honor. They are people who are worthy, like they need to be honored because I'll tell you this, I don't think any of them play the lottery because if they did, I might have a conversation about bad stewardship. But, but if they were to win, I mean, that's, that's, that's another, talk to me after, that's another story. But uh, if you win the lottery, tithe on it. But that, no, no. Um, but, uh, but you know what? If, if they did win the lottery, they would show up on Tuesday at the staff meeting. Because what they do, they, they, they do it because they love God and they do it because they love you and, and they're all like so committed to it and they're all trying to get better at what it is that God has called them to do. We need to honor them. We need to honor, I'll tell you, the people, you know, seems like something has turned the corner a little bit here. Like this is the most, for those of you on, these are the most, this is the most people we've had in this room since like last year, since like this Sunday last year. 
but I just say that, yes, that is great. If we're able to turn the corner because of vaccines and other things, that's awesome. But just want to continue to say, you know, my line throughout this whole thing is we will have a worship service that is commensurate with your comfort level. We will continue to do that. So I don't want anyone to feel pressure, you know, but, but once we're all vaccinated, once we're all back to, you know, I can't wait for this room to kind of be filled back up again. But we're starting now to see, I think people, I, I, said, to, I said to Thomas in the back when I saw how many people were here, I said, I think people are ready to come back to church. I think we're all just a little bit sick of it. Uh, and, uh, and so we're seeing more people now coming to kids' church, right? And so, and so I just want to honor the people right now who are there serving the kids in kids' church, uh, who, you know, who, are, who are getting back involved and, and keeping their masks on and making sure that, you know, that the kids have the experience that they need to have. There's the people who are serving with the youth right now, you know, and just talking about all the, all the people. I just want to honor all of the people who serve week after week after week to enable us to do what we do. I'm not going to list everyone. One group that I don't actually talk about enough is our, our board of trustees. And I, wanna, I just want to honor our board of trustees because these are men and women. They, they play such an important role. They help with all the financial issues. So it's not just all, you know, on me. There's accountability. There's help with budgets. There's making sure we, we stick to the budget. Whenever there are like difficult decisions or difficult things, they're the ones that I go to to kind of help me navigate it. They are men and women of honor. And so we need, we need to honor one another. And we need to realize that our words either honor or dishonor. There are no neutral words, right? You are either building someone up or you're tearing someone down. There are no idle words. Every word has an impact. James 3, 9 to 10, it says, with the tongue, we praise our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. So be careful. Be careful how you talk about your coworkers. Be careful how you talk about your boss. Be careful how you talk about people when they leave the room. Be careful how you talk about people on social media. See, let's change the culture. Let's honor people. Let's not get caught up in the cesspool of tearing down that we see all around us. Let's be men and women of honor. But maybe you might say, but Phil, you know, but what do you do if they deserve it? Like you might say, what, but what if like my boss is actually the worst? And what I would say is, well, Grimaldi, you're just going to have to deal with it. <laughs> See, you, you, but what you do, but seriously, what you do is you let the Lord deal with it and you deal with it. You honor the person by dealing with it directly. When you go to someone, whoever it might be, when you go to someone to talk with them about something, you're honoring them, as opposed to going somewhere else and talking about them. And so we realize Ephesians 4, 29 to 30, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed by the day of redemption. One of the things that us preachers do sometimes is we take verses kind of isolated from one another. And I many times have preached, don't let any unwholesome word come out of your mouth. I have many times said, do not grieve the Holy Spirit. I don't know how many times I've noticed that like, hey, those two things go together. Like, do you see the connection there? That, that if we don't honor, like if your family, if the way that you talk about your spouse or your children or your parents is filled with words of dishonor, that apparently you're grieving away the Holy Spirit. If we as a church, if we don't learn how to honor one another, if we don't talk about one another with honor, then maybe what we're doing is we're grieving away the Holy Spirit. 
And so we want to be committed. We want to say we want to be people of honor. And honor has a language, and it's the language of praise. Second thing is how do we do it? We do it with our protection with our protection. So to honor something is to place value on it, right? Your wallet. Like you know exactly where your wallet is right now because there are valuable things in your wallet. You probably in your basement have a, have a fireproof safe where you put your important papers. If you don't have a fireproof safe, you should probably get one. Put your important papers in it. See, we, we, we need to, if we value something, we guard it. And something that we've have, we've, we've, we're experiencing in our culture is there's no more loyalty. There's no more loyalty to people. If somebody, if somebody struggles, if somebody falls down, if somebody messes up, we are so quick. We just abandon them. We're just, we're out. You know, you ever say that expression? It's like rats fleeing a sinking ship. I don't know why rats would flee a sinking ship because then they're in the water, but that's an expression. Apparently that's what they do. But, but I think honoring, it means that we protect each other. Not, we don't cover up for each other, but we cover each other. That's different right? So there's a story. I'm not going to go into it because I don't have time, but there's a story with Noah. After Noah and his family, they're in the ark. You know, the, the water recedes from the earth. They, they, they're on dry ground. Noah plants a vineyard. And so after the vineyard, you know, blooms up, then he makes some wine. And so then Noah enjoys his wine, and he enjoys his, his wine too much. And he ends up like passed out naked in the tent, so what Noah did is he, dishonor, he, he behaved in a dishonorable way. And so then one of his sons, Ham, comes in and sees his father like passed out, you know, naked and drunk. And, and what he does is he goes to his two brothers and he's just like, oh man, dad, you know, he's absolutely, he's, to, he's wasted right now and I can't unsee what I've seen and it's terrible. And he kind of makes fun of him. But then what happens is the other two brothers, they behave totally differently. What the Bible tells us they did is they walked in backwards. They walked in backwards because they didn't want to, even though Noah had dishonored himself, they didn't want to add to that dishonor. So they, wouldn't want to, they didn't want to look upon him in his state, in his nakedness, in his state. And they walked in backwards and then they covered him. And what the Bible says is that after that happened, those two brothers got a blessing and Ham got a curse. And so I wonder if this, this thing, listen, we as a culture, when somebody flames out, when somebody struggles, when somebody falls down, we enjoy it. We like laugh about it. We make jokes about it. We make funny memes about it. I wonder if like if, if something like that is going on, if we're missing out on some of the blessings that God has for us. And I just want to say for those of you on my staff and for those of you who are leading in this church and for those in my I want to I just want to commit that that should you do something to dishonor yourself. Yes, we're going to have conversations. It is going to be dealt with, but I'm going to do my best to help you through it. I'm going to do my best to restore you, to honor you, to, to defend you, not to excuse you. But we say like, okay, we want, you know what, we're going to deal with this. We're not going to cover it up. We're not going to sweep it under the rug, but we're going to cover you so that there can be restoration, so there can be grace, so there can be redemption. 1 Corinthians 13, 6 to 7 says, love does not delight in evil but it rejoices in the truth. There's way too much delighting in evil these days. You hear something, we make jokes about it, we laugh about it, we delight in it. But love doesn't do that. Love always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. See, honor, there's a connection between honor and loyalty. Loyalty is not, again, it's not excusing. It's not sweeping things under the rug. There's way too much of that. But loyalty says, hey, I'm here. 
and I love you, and I'm not going to go anywhere. And, uh, and you know what? The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases, and God has seen me in my worst, and He's never abandoned me, so I'm going to try to model the love that I've received from God. And so I'm here, and we're gonna, I'm going to try to help you. We're going to get through this. There's not enough of that. We need that, and it's connected to honor. The last point is this, and I'll finish with this. How do we live lives of honor? By honoring God first. By honoring God first, Psalm 29, 2, it says, Ascribe to the Lord the glory to His name. Worship the Lord in the splendor of His holiness. The word glory in the Old Testament, it's the, the word kabod, and it means weighty. It means weighty. It has to do, if you ever notice, like when we're worshiping, sometimes the air feels heavier. You ever notice that? Like the presence of the Lord comes. It's almost like the barometric pressure in the room changes. That's the glory of the Lord, the weight of the Lord. Psalm 34, verse 3 says, Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. I love this quote by C.S. Lewis. He says, God designed the human machine to run on himself. He himself is the fuel our spirits were designed to burn or the food our spirits were designed to feed on. There is no other. And so listen, I'm talking about honor. I'm talking about living a life where, where, where you're honoring people and there's just a culture of honor and that you're experiencing the joy and the peace and the life that comes. See, all the good stuff that we talk about here, all the good stuff that we sing about here, the way that you tap into whatever it is we're talking about is that you get connected to Jesus. It starts with having a life-giving relationship with Jesus. So let's all stand here for a moment. And I just want to lead us to pray through a couple things. We're going to have some prayer team. They're going to, members are going to be over in the corner over here. So if you guys want to get ready, get over there. But Lord God, we just want to declare right now, God, that we honor you. That we honor you. You are worthy of our honor. And so just right now in your heart, just, to, just honor the Lord. He is weighty. He is what matters. He is the rock. So we give him the value and the worth and the glory that he deserves. It all starts there. And Lord, I just pray, God, that you would forgive us for how we have not honored, how we have dishonored. And I believe that's something the Lord wants to do. Just hold on one second. Let me just, I just want us to pray through something here real quick. But I think it could really make a difference. Let the Lord bring to mind someone that you've dishonored. You just say, you know what? I have not honored this person. Maybe they don't even know it. You know, maybe you didn't say anything to them, but they probably can feel it in different ways. But you know that you have not honored them. You've dishonored them. Maybe someone in your family. Maybe someone you work with. Maybe someone here in this church. But ask God to forgive you. And then your homework for this week is that you just honor that person like crazy. So that like by the end of the week, that person is like feeling so good about life and so good about themselves because you've honored them. And so start there with the person that you've been dishonoring. And there's one other thing. I just want to end with this. I think that there's, there's some people here and you have struggled all of your life with low self-esteem with dishonoring yourself. And people have dishonored you. 
People have been really wrong to you and they've dishonored you, but now you've taken that dishonor and now you're dishonoring yourself. And I just want, I just feel like there's some people here right now, we're talking about truth, right? Building our life on truth. God wants you to know that he honors you, that he loves you, that you are weighty, that you matter, that you are loved with an everlasting love, that you are, you are fearfully and wonderfully made, that you are redeemed by the precious blood of Jesus. And so in the name of Jesus, I break the lies of the enemy that's over anyone here right now where they have taken the dishonor that they've experienced and so now they, they dishonor themselves. And so Lord, I pray that you would open up their eyes right now to see how much you love them, see how much you value them, and that you would set them free, God, from the lies of the enemy in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, come Holy Spirit. Bless your presence here. I can really, I can just feel the weight, the weight of the Lord, presence of the Lord, the glory of the Lord is in this place right now. I bless your presence. I bless your glory. Lord, we honor you. And from that place, may we be a people who honor one another. May we, may we bring honor to our family. May we bring honor to our workplace. For your glory, God. May we ascribe to everyone we meet the honor that you have ascribed because you died for us. You redeemed us. So if you guys want some prayer, you go right over there. You got some people from the prayer team. Keep your mask on, I would say for sure. If there's someone that you're really struggling to honor in your life, like you don't know how to do it, or maybe there's even somebody who's just been dishonoring you a lot and you don't know what to do, let somebody pray with you. If you're someone who's been feeling that you've been kind of dishonoring yourself, that that dishonor has kind of gotten into your heart, it might be something spiritual that needs to be broken. And, and so let somebody pray with you that that lie can be broken. Whatever it is you need prayer for, uh, just let, let somebody go over there and pray for you. Uh, we're going to be, I'm going to be starting the growth track in eight minutes. The growth track is going to be starting. All right. So uh, those of you, we got room for you. If you haven't signed up, just come right to the team vineyard room. You can't miss it as soon as you walk out the doors. And, uh, and we'll be starting the growth track. God bless you guys. Have a wonderful week.